comfortably astride, even though her stockinged legs were nearly exposed to the knee. And was that a sin as well, if there was no one to see? Thank goodness she'd grown up on a farm and not on some upper-class estate. Try as she might, she simply could not imagine trying to curl herself around a side saddle. Aira was normally steady as a rock. Now, however, the pony stamped his feet impatiently then abruptly lurched down the winding mountain path at an awkward trot without her urging. It wasn't like him at all. He'd been content enough to graze the afternoon away while Karis practiced old bardic ballads, wistful songs of farewell and lost love, and lively Celtic reels. She even dared a bawdy song she'd overheard outside the royal goat last week. As usual, her doll had stopped at the pub for just a pint, which always turned into several leaving Karis outside to keep an eye on their wagon. Could she help it if she overheard a shanty through the open windows? The randy lyrics had reddened her cheeks. I wish I was in bed with a captain's daughter. Yet her fingers had twitched all the same, anxious to apply the bow to the old fiddle and try the tune's rollicking rhythm for herself. Without its scandalous words, of course, she had faults enough already. The local preacher sermonized often about the devilish nature of music, played purely for enjoyment. And hadn't she spent countless hours over the years doing exactly that? There was no help for it, though. The music seemed to bubble up inside her, like a lively spring of achingly cool water, ever-flowing and impossible to contain. But contain it she must, at least when she was at home. There, Karis tried to remember to sing only hymns within her father's hearing. But all too often, she'd be moving the sheep, or gathering eggs, or forking out hay, and a merry folk song would simply spring from her lips. That's when the lecturing began. Music be given to man that he might praise his creator, said Da, echoing the stern sentiment of their preacher. And naught else. But drunk or sober, David Dilwyn would never raise a hand to her. Instead, she'd end up in her room or, much more likely, with more work to squeeze into an already long day. Once in a while, however, when her gruff father was well into his cups, he seemed a different person entirely, perhaps the one he'd been before his beloved wife had died and left him with a tiny girl child to care for. Sometimes he'd even use his fine baritone voice to share some of the old songs he remembered, ones that had once been handed down through generations, music all but lost to time, and the church's strict influence. The Welsh language survived both the English and the church, he'd say, thumping the tabletop with his thick-fingered fist and making the ale slosh from his tankard. But its true song did not, and so Wales is not but a bird without wings. The following day, when he was sober and no doubt contrite, it was strictly hymns for him, and therefore for her as well. She had nothing against them, Some were pretty enough, and a few even utilized simple folk tunes. But to her musical heart, they seemed both limited and limiting. Of course, it could only be another sin to think like that. As for her stern father, she knew he loved her in his way. His lectures about music were driven by concern that she wouldn't attract a good husband with her seeming lack of piety. And sure enough, here she was, long past twenty and not a suitor in sight. A spinster, a thebriot, as some wags in the congregation whispered. Karis told herself she didn't mind a bit, that she was much too busy to be lonely, and most of the time it was even true. She had her father to care for as well as the farm, 
and the more Dodd drank, the more both needed her. Besides, she reasoned, wasn't it better to be alone than be wed to someone who couldn't understand her soul-deep need to create music? It had pulsed through her as long as she could remember, and even singing didn't assuage it fully. The discovery of the precious fidil at the bottom of an old trunk when Karis was ten had changed everything. She knew better than to show the instrument to her father. At best, he'd make her put it back. At worst, he might take it away or even destroy it. Musicians and bards, according to the preacher, were heathens, the devil's servants for certain. And so, hiding the fiddle had been her greatest sin to that point. Karis's next transgression, however, had been her most daring, to visit the Romani, the Kale, and ask them not only to teach her to play the instrument, but also to share their songs with her. The gypsies camped in the high forest above the Dillon.